Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Yo, so glad that you all are here, man. We have started off this new year with a brand new series that we have called Uphill Habits. We kicked it off last week um, because... The Lord has told us here at All Nations Aurora that this is the year of cultivation. That means simply when you cultivate something, cultivation is only necessary when something that was once fruitful, you have a desire to keep it fruitful. Because agricultural science tells us that just because we did a good job at the beginning, Preparing the land and putting the seeds and applying water and sunlight. That's not enough to sustain fruitfulness in the long term. That's only good enough to get started. So what the Lord has told us is that this year for this church, he's going to be cultivating you and I. And that's good news because that means that he has more fruit for us to bear. And so we started talking about this concept called uphill habits. Um, Because the truth of the matter is we are what we repeatedly do. You and I are the sum total of the habits that we employ on a daily basis. And and since we are what we repeatedly do, we need to know that excellence then is not an act. Excellence doesn't happen accidentally. But it's, it's cultivated through our habits. Can I share something so profound yet so simple? Um, our God requires excellence of us. Why why would he set the standard so high for us? (laughs) Because he set the standard so high for himself. Maybe you forgot that he sent his only begotten son. His only one. He set the standard so high that he was willing to sacrifice his only son for you. Even though he knew full well how messed up you are. You look good this morning, but you messed up. Your Sunday's best is on point. Hair did, nails did, everything did. (laughs) But underneath it all, the Bible says that even on our best day, even our best praise is a filthy rag before him. And so because he was willing to make such an excellent sacrifice for you, he requires that you you strive to live an excellent life as a sacrifice back to him. And so as we understand the fact that we are what we repeatedly do, then then we have to understand that uh, uh, um, we form habits, whether you realize it or not, 
And then those habits that we form, they form us. We talked about the research last week that says 40 to 45% of what we do every day is habitual. We don't even think about it because we are the product of our habits. Let me say it to you like this. Show me your habits and I'll show you your future. We'll stand 365 days from today and we will see a product of your habits. What you choose to do for better or for worse, our lives are the sum of our physical, our mental, and our spiritual habits. That's just the facts. Bad habits always come back to bite us. Good habits always show up to bless us because we are the sum total of our habits. And so we called it Uphill Habits because all the habits that we're sharing in this series point to him. I'm not standing up here to make you feel better about you. Some of y'all start packing y'all stuff up. (laughs) I'm up here to help you become more like him. Because that's his desire for you. Every last one of us seated here, watching online, listening online, we're here for a reason. That's why he sent his son. Because he created you to do something on this earth, not for yourself, for his glory. To push his kingdom agenda forward. And so in order to live a life that's set up to give him glory, we have to then backwards plan. And we have to take a look at what are we doing on a regular basis? Because what we do on a regular basis will help us to get in alignment with him or push us further away. You are one habit away from being in shape. You're one habit away from financial freedom. It's in your habits. You're you're one habit away from that closeness of a relationship with the Lord that you've been seeking and you've been praying for. It's, It's in your habits. And so, If you want that healthy marriage, that healthy relationship, you need to look at your habits. If you want to change, if you you take a look and you see that your health, your finances, your relationship with the Lord, your relationships in general aren't where they need to be, then maybe, possibly, you need to take a better, deeper look at your habits and, and change them. Here's where we find ourselves in most instances. Most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Like we step into every new year hoping that it will be, quote, unquote, our year. We hope that our money situation will change. We hope for that promotion on our job. We hope for a deeper prayer life. We hope for that business to take off. 
But the problem is we leave it at hopes. <laughs> yeah. Hope is it's a great motivator, but it's not a strategy. Hmm. Hope can get you going, but it cannot keep you going. Hmm. Hope is not enough. Your habits have to match. So if you've got these hopes that are trending uphill, then your habits should trend uphill as well. And we rooted this whole series in a passage of scripture in the book of Romans 12 and 2 to be exact. And we looked at it in the message version because of how it starts off. It says, fix your attention on God. Our, our, our problem is that in a lot of instances, our attention isn't fixed on God, it's fixed on our problems. And sometimes we could miss God because we're so fixated on our issues, our obstacles and our challenges that we don't realize that our God is bigger than all of it. And so in the book of Romans 12 and 2, it's encouraging us to fix our attention on God. Why? Because you'll be changed from the inside out if you do. Not only that, but you'll be readily able to recognize what he wants from you. Are you confused about what God wants from you? Fix your attention on God. Are you vacillating to the left and the right about a particular decision in your life? Fix your attention on God. Are you facing a mountain of a challenge that you don't? Know how you will get through. Fix your attention on God. Your emotions getting the best of you in this current season because of pain or hurt or struggle. Fix your attention on God. And you'll be able to recognize what he wants from you. And here it is, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down, to its level of immaturity. We so love to see what the culture is doing. We get our marriage advice from people on their third marriage because they got a blue check on Instagram. We go to TikTok to get the word of the Lord because we don't have a relationship with God ourselves. <laughs> We're so busy letting the culture Drag us down to a level of immaturity. That's the opposite of what God has for you. But when you fix your attention on God, it says that God brings the best out of you. Everything that, that he's trying to do in this year of cultivation is not to harm you, not to hurt you. He wants to bring the best out of you. You should let that settle because the enemy is going to try to tell you something different. But God wants you to know that he's doing this work in your heart because he wants the best for you. Don't get it twisted. He wants to develop a well-formed maturity. He's tired of you drinking milk. Let me just say it how it is. 
You can't be under my wife and I's anointing and sip on milk the rest of your life. Because we like steak. So that's what you're going to get here. But it starts with your habits. You have to understand that habits are built. They don't show up randomly. You got to build those things. You got to understand that whatever I starve dies. Whatever I feed thrives. I have a part to play in the building of habits, either good or bad. Whatever I feed, that's what's going to grow. So if I'm constantly feeding myself negativity and gossip, backbiting, judgment, that's who I'm going to become. If everybody around me is on the same wavelength and that's all they're talking about, it's going to show up in my life. But if I, if, I, if I take a look at the Bible and I look at those fruits of the Spirit, I'm pursuing love and joy, self-control. There's one we don't discuss. That's who I'm going to become. Because whatever, I starve. So if I'm a judgmental person right now, I can starve that thing to death. If I'm bound by lust right now, I can starve that thing to death. And I can feed the fruits of the spirit that are already there. And I can become that. Instead, the choice is yours. And so we talked last week, we introduced habit number one, where we talked about, I have to pay attention to what I do first. Because first represents priority. And God wants to be your priority. So we talked about the importance of giving him the first of our day and the first of our week and the first of our month and the first of our year. Why? Because he wants to be your priority. And if he's not your priority, he wants you to know that he's not yours. God don't do second place. He don't do silver medals. I appreciate y'all quietness. He don't do silver medals. He wants first place. And so as we journey into the next topic, I want you to join me in the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, starting at verse 50. I'm going to be reading in the CSB. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, Peter. He added again. I often find myself in Peter, and that's why I identify with him so much. And verse 50 says, friend, this is Jesus talking. Jesus asked him, why have you come? They're about to arrest him. Then they came up, took hold of Jesus, and arrested him. At that moment, one of those with Jesus, the book of Luke identifies that this is actually Peter, reached out his hand and drew his sword. He struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus told him, 
put your sword back in its place because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think, huh, that I cannot, this is Jesus talking that talk. <laughs> or do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will provide me here and now with more than 12 legions of angels. Today's message is called, What Were You Thinking? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you because you are the Lord of our lives. You are the lifter up of our heads. And Father, we want to submit our all to you because we want all that you want for us to come to pass. Help us to hear you and let our lives be changed forever. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, what were you thinking? Why did Peter snap off like that? They have been having conversations the whole time that the Last Supper didn't happen. Jesus then told them over and over again, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to surrender my life. But it all has a purpose. Why was Peter tripping? Why you pull that thing out? And you know what? When I read the Bible, I like to think practically. I think that Peter ain't know what to do with that sword. Think about it. How many people swing a sword for an ear? When Peter pulled that thing out, he wasn't trying to cut no ear. He was trying to take Buddy out. But he ain't had no sword skills, so all he got was the ear. What was Peter doing? Peter's actions were a product of his thoughts. Because earlier, Jesus was trying to educate the boys like, yo, my time is here. I'm going to be taken. I'm going to give up my life. And Peter was like, uh-uh. I left my daddy business. We've been waiting for you for centuries. Ain't no way I'm going to let nobody take you. I'm going to ride for you, Jesus. If you pop off, I'm popping off. Period. And Jesus rebuked him like, get behind me, Satan. He called him Satan. After he said he was going to ride for him. You devil. But in, in Peter's mind, there's no way that what Jesus is saying is how this is supposed to go down. Now, nah, my daddy, my granddaddy, my great-granddaddy, they've been talking about this Messiah since the Old Testament to me. And it's supposed to be this great king that's supposed to come in and we're going to tear the world upside down because we're God's chosen people. You can't go put yourself on no cross. Jesus, you tripping. So Peter showed up with that thing. I wish they would. <laughs> I'm going to be ready. And because of his thoughts, his actions had him pull it out, go for the ear. Jesus rebuked him like, what were you thinking? You don't think I could just call my heavenly father and light everybody up? 
What were you thinking? Have you ever been there like Peter? You got to the end of an action and either somebody asked you or you asked yourself, what were you thinking? I'll talk about myself since y'all are perfect. I remember I was like five or six years old and I was with my mom and we went to a store called Venture. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Like, what is an adventure? Did he go on an adventure? No. The name of the store was Venture, Southside Chicago, Southside, Southside. Mm-hmm. And my mom was getting stuff. You know how you get that talk. I know we're multi-ethnic, so in the chocolate persuasion, when you're a little kid and you go in the store with your mama and them, you get a warning. And we all get the same warning, no matter who our mama is. You bet not touch nothing. Don't touch nothing. So I got that warning. Here's the problem. Something happened in my brain that day. It's kind of hard to explain, guys. We were shopping. She got her things. She got her things. We were headed to the checkout. And in the middle of the floor, off to the right just a little bit, was a bag of Skittles. (laughs) My brain said to me, well, it's not on the shelf, so it must be free. Why y'all, why y'all judging me? I was five. Just let me finish the story. I mean, y'all judge me quick. I picked the bag of Skittles up, slid them into my pocket, because surely Venture don't need these Skittles, because they're on the floor. So I slid them in my pocket feeling great. I'm excited. I'll make it out the store. So we get home, 7251 South Shore Drive. And the, the parking lot was under the building. And so we're at the, uh, the door. The door ain't lifted up yet to the parking lot. It's under the building. And I remember thinking about how awesome my afternoon is about to be. I'm about to go watch G.I. Joe with a fresh bag of Skittles in my pocket. Guys, I literally put my hands on my head in the passenger seat of the car, just imagining how awesome this afternoon is going to be. The problem is while I was stretching like this, the Skittles slid out my left pocket a little bit, just a little bit. And my mom said, where did you get that? It's like over there at the store. It's like, mom, you won't believe this. It was on the floor. So I knew it was up for grabs. And so I just, you know, she said, boy, what were you thinking? And she proceeded to beat the stovetop stuffing out of me. I don't even eat stovetop stuffing, but if I did, it would have been beat out of me that afternoon. Because my thoughts 
were messed up. And because I had these messed up thoughts, it led to messed up action. For a lot of us, we see the product of our lives and we don't realize that a lot of the messed up parts of our life are the direct results of some messed up thoughts that we had beforehand. And a lot of times we just sit back and we're praying to God and God's looking at us like, what What were you thinking? And that's a question that we need to really start pondering a little bit more than we currently are. Because in a lot of instances, we prefer to blame externally. We can more easily think about how somebody else's actions are the reasons that the less than ideal circumstances of our life have manifested. We don't enjoy, because remember, this is uphill hazards. Thinking about maybe there was some messed up stuff swirling around in our little cranium. That's a part of the problem as well. So habit number two is I'm going to control my thoughts. Did you know that you can? That all that stuff swirling around between your ears, you have the power to change. Now, I know we like to give these, um, these peoples a lot of credit in the little books they be writing, the little YouTube videos they be putting out about your thought life. And they so good at it that you refuse to look at your thought life because you don't want to be associated with them. Oh, that's, that's new agey. Oh, that's new testamenty. An Old Testament. The problem is they know more of the Bible than you do. And so they went to the Bible, hijacked the concept, took a little bit out, put a little bit on, put a little label on it, called it the secret. Oops. Did I say that out loud? And you think that they so smart. Oh, they just read the Bible that you didn't. Because our thought life is something that God taught us about in his word. And you got to stop thinking that your thoughts don't matter. Here's what you need to know instead. I will never change my life until I change the way I think. Life change doesn't begin in the doing. Like we focus our habits on what I'm about to do. This is the new behavior I'm going to pursue. The problem is you need to focus on what you think before you try to focus on what you are about to do because your life is more dependent on what you think than what you do because what you think determines, dictates what you do. In the book, The Battlefield of the Mind, Joyce Meyer says it like this, your life will not get straightened out until your mind does. You try to change your behavior, but the first behavior you need to pursue change in is your thought behavior. What you think. 
All right, for my super saints, let me head to the Bible. For y'all get nervous. Ecclesiastes 2 and 10 in the message version says, wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking, I didn't write it. Leads to wrong living. What you do is the result of what you think. Your thought life matters to God. Not just your behavior. You got to understand that everything begins with the thought. Everything begins with the thought. If you try to change your behavior without changing the thought that fed the behavior, you will never be able to change your behavior. There was a thought that led you down that road. And if you don't dig a little further, cultivate your thought life a little deeper, your behavior will not change. Romans 12 and 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. It's not a secret. It's in the Bible. By changing the way you think. We love to just stick with the I need to change what I'm doing. What I'm doing isn't getting the results that I want. But you can't do anything different unless you're willing to think differently. And it's biblical. What we think determines what we feel. What we think determines what we feel. And that's why environments matter. I'm not talking about just environments like this, physical ones. But what about your internet-based environments? Can I challenge you? Of course I can. That's what I do. <laughs> what if you took the next week off from social media? <gasps> Collective gas. We're so used to our social environment that the thought of seven days away from it causes our blood pressure to rise just a little bit, just a tinge. I haven't been on social media this year. I jump on there to throw something up about the church and jump back off. You know what? I feel good not knowing what y'all doing. Not knowing what they're doing. Not knowing your opinion about what they're doing. I feel better because my thoughts aren't clouded with everything that everybody else got going on. Come on, you know you scroll and get mad at somebody you don't even know. A friend of a friend. Or some influencer that ain't thinking about you, but you stay thinking about them. It messes with you. Are you going to admit it or no? It messes with you. 
because it's in your thought life. You don't even know them. You've never had a conversation with them, but you're thinking about them. And your thoughts about their life, their actions, their situations messes with how you feel, even though they are nowhere near you. Because what we think determines how we feel. That's why it's so dangerous to roll out of bed and immediately check your phone. You ain't even talked to God yet. <laughs> now you headed to the bathroom with an attitude. Because <laughs> you jumped into that social world as soon as you rolled over. Ain't brushed your teeth. <laughs> and you mad. I can't believe they fill in the blank. <laughs> because what we think determines how we feel. Why don't you challenge yourself? It's like I want to tell y'all not to get on social media for a week, but y'all are not going to do it. <laughs> what if you limited your... <laughs> y'all so miserable. I mean, y'all feelings is really hurt right now. See, that's a clue right there. Y'all start twitching and what, the, what, what you mean? Guys, what if you just, okay, can you limit it? Can you cut it in half? If you got an iPhone, you can see how long you've been on these, these platforms, right? And then you can say, I'm going to cut that number in half this week. And then your iPhone going to tell you what, whether you went up or you went down. Androids, we're praying for you. Y'all going to have to figure it out with a calculator or something. Okay? Divide away. Carry the two. Um, but what if you just intentionally cut it in half? Just to see how you would feel. What if God does something in that? What if instead of eight hours a day, my God, on social media, you took it and cut it in half and used those other four for worship. Oh, you see, that don't even sound equivalent, huh? That says something about your walk. What if, what if, what if you played a little Maverick City, a little, little Dappy Keys, a little Fred Gilmore, and you just kind of just sat in his presence? Instead of sitting on the presence of social strangers. And how would you feel if you switched it up a little bit? Philippians 4 and 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think. Think, 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 think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What if you put your mind on these things? Well, the next verse tells us what will happen. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Here's the result. Then the God of peace will be with you. Have your life been lacking some peace? Have things been feeling tumultuous and out of whack and out of sorts? 
Maybe you need to change what you're thinking about. What were you thinking? Hmm. Raise your hand if you know how to play dominoes. Okay, this has nothing to do with my story. I just want to know who I can judge. <laughs> when we have our cookout this summer, all you non-domino players, we'll have, I don't know, Uno for y'all. <laughs> but that's this theory in science called the domino effect. That's important for us right here and right now. Because scientifically speaking, if I just had a slew of dominoes lined up in a row, when, when I go to tap that first domino, scientifically speaking, it only requires 0.234 microjoules of energy to hit that first. So that means I could just click it with my pinky, not even my thumb, my pinky. 0.234, not even one, 0.234 microjoules of energy. That's all it would take. But here's the thing. By the time it got to domino 13, not even down there, but by the time it got to domino 13, the kinetic energy would have increased by 2 billion joules. Hmm. So it just took a little, just a little flick to get it started, but that little microjoule of initial action on my part multiplied as we got from one, one domino to the next to the tune of two billion more joules of energy just happened on its own. Like I didn't have to do nothing else. That's a picture of what happens when we take one step and God decides to get involved. But the first step comes from you. Let's look at that verse one more time. Think about the domino effect. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, Philippians 4 and 8, fix your thoughts. This is you. This is the pinky flick. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Just, just, he's just saying, just, can you think a little differently? Can you choose to put your thoughts on these types of things and stop being so negative and judgmental and pointing the finger at everybody else? Can you just, can you, can you think on things that are lovely? Can, can you think of things that are true and honorable? Like, can you put your mind there instead of gossip? Can you put your mind there instead of on problems? Can you just give it a little flick? Because he's saying, if you do that, I'll show up. It says, then the God of peace, like even if things ain't perfect. He's saying the God of peace. He didn't say, he didn't say your life's going to become perfect. But he's saying like, if you, just, if you just fix your thoughts a little differently, I will show up 
right there in the midst of your situation with peace. But it starts with where you put your thoughts. Here's what we have to understand. Our thoughts determine our destiny. Yeah. Yeah. What were you thinking? Because your thoughts determine your destiny. The biggest driving force that shapes your habits is what you think of you. Mm. See, see, I'm not even right this second. Focus on your situation. Problem. What you think about you matters the most. If you want, listen, if you want to change what you do, you need to change what you think about you. This isn't new agey. This is biblical. I'll give you scriptures in a second, but here's, here's, Here's a concept that I got from one of my favorite books of all time, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It says, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act or an action and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap character. Sow character and you reap a destiny. The first sowing in this equation is a thought. And the final reaping is a destiny because our thoughts determine our destiny. You're quiet because you don't believe me. You think I'm being new agey. So let me go to the Bible for you. Let's go to Romans 8 and 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. Because your, your thoughts determine your destiny. <laughs> but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. Because our thoughts determine our destiny. Verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death because your thoughts determine your destiny. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Who's in control of your thoughts? Because your thoughts determine your destiny is your outlook clouded by the news i watch the news but have you let it control the way that you see things have you let it control your thoughts the way that you think about things the way that you think about the world the way that you think about people the way that person hurts you has it control taken control of your thoughts that now you don't trust nobody. 
Did that last church hurt you? To the point that you think negatively about God's church, the ecclesia? The ecclesia didn't hurt you. I'm not taking away from what you went through. But it was people that hurt you. It was not the ecclesia. It was not the bride of Christ. But what happens is we let pain control our thoughts. We let suffering take root in our hearts. And it clouds our entire world view. Because our thoughts determine our destiny. Our thoughts determine our destiny. That's why we have to be so careful about our thought life and the direction that we let it go. Now, I gave you the theology on your thought life, and now I want to give you some practical application on how to change it, how to take control of your thoughts. And I'm going to root this in 2 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. Did you see that? It's on you to capture those rebellious thoughts, those thoughts that are not like him. We can capture them. And then we don't just capture them, but we teach them to obey Christ. We have the power to control our thought life. It's biblical. So step one is we have to find a plan to control our thoughts. Find a plan to control our thoughts. Remember, we have to capture them and then we have to turn around and teach them to obey Christ. How do we do that? We need to read the Bible. Wasn't that so deep? I mean, straight out of seminary. Read the Bible. Why? Because how are you going to know what he thinks about you if you never read what he thinks about you? How are you going to know his standard for your life if you never read about his standard for your life? This is not some church cliche, old school, religious, constrictive. This is life. Do you understand that your Bible is alive? It is not an old history book. It is God. It says that in the beginning, the word was flesh. Your Bible is alive. It's active. Let's read it in the Bible. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. 
alive and powerful. If you really believe that about your Bible, it wouldn't be so dusty. Yeah. If you really believe that there was power in his word for your life, there'd be a little more creases up in that thing. Let's keep reading that verse. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Here it is. It exposes <laughs> our innermost thoughts and desire. Y'all so scared. Y'all so nervous about talking about your thought life because you think I'm them. No, I'm just reading the Bible. This is where they got it from. They just remixed it and turned it into something else. So we don't have to ignore it. We just have to do it biblically. Your word, that Bible that you ain't been reading, it will expose your innermost thoughts and desires, give you strategy, help you to turn things around and help you to know how to move and how to proceed and help you to understand why you are here. So step one is you need to find a plan to control your thoughts. And that's reading your Bible. Step two is you need to find a place to think your thoughts. You need to find a place to think your thoughts. What does that mean? Think my thoughts. You need an outlet to communicate. What better outlet than your heavenly Father, you need to have a daily conversation with God. I'm being so deep today, aren't I? You need to pray. Wow. You should talk to God about your situation, your life. What's going good? What's going not so good? What you're struggling with? what you're grateful for daily. Like, I, I, I'm not going to put like a time parameter on, but I don't go say you need to talk to God every day. Okay, you don't believe me. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust you. Oh, here's that, here's that word again. And whose thoughts are fixed on you. How can your thoughts be fixed on somebody you don't talk to? Fixed, fixed, stuck, stayed, focused. You can't be fixed on a stranger. <laughs> Colossians 3 and 2. Think about, hey, the Bible should be talking a lot about what we think. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. What you think about you matters. What you think about you matters. And in order to get a better understanding, more clarity around who you are, you should talk to God. He created you. I think he know a little son, something about you. What you think about you matters. Can I tell y'all, um, like this strategy I be using? 
to think a little bit better about myself? Can y'all promise not to judge me? Because it's not, it's not very pastoral. It might be a little bit toxic. I'm not sure. But it works. Y'all promise not to judge me? I can't afford this to get out, so don't tell nobody what I'm about to tell you, okay? So this is what I be doing sometimes. Like when I'm, when I'm trying to do something or get better at something or, or to improve in a certain area, can I trust y'all? Okay. Like I'll find somebody that's doing it, right? I'll see how the, the strategy that they're using or the, or the methodology that's helping them to become successful. And I say to myself, um, man, I'm nervous. Okay, I'm gonna tell y'all. This is what I say to myself. I, this is a true story. I say to myself, well, they're not smarter than me. So surely, if they have figured this out, I can figure this out. And you know what? I feel better. Is that okay? I'm not sure if that's good or not. But I've been using it for a long time. And it works for me. It's not very Christian-like, but... I'll be like, eh. They ain't that smart. So, I can probably do this as well. Whatever you have to do to start seeing yourself the way that God sees you. Because he said that you are his workmanship. That's what he said about you. But you wouldn't know that if you didn't get in his word. If you weren't in conversation with him praying and he spoke to you and let you know some things about yourself that you wouldn't know otherwise if you were not having a daily conversation with him. So you need to find a place to think your thoughts. Number three, find a person to stretch my thoughts. Find a person to stretch my thoughts. Y'all are so anti-community. Because you've been hurt. People have let you down. You've been around dysfunctional people all your life. And so you figure, well, I ain't going to let myself down, so I'm going to just go through this thing on my own. Or I'm going to just, if I mess up, I'm going to talk to God about it. Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. And then some of y'all get King James Version. Against thee and thou. The problem is you don't get healed that way. You have to talk to a person to get healed. Somebody you can trust. But your healing comes from talking to people. I keep having to prove myself to y'all. So James 5 and 16. Confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healing requires people. Yes, God! can supernaturally come through, heal you, change your situation in an instant. But in his Bible, 
that's collecting dust in your drawer. He wants you to confess your sins to one another and then pray for one another. And he said the result of your actions is healing. Some of you are unhealed because you won't talk to nobody. The rest of that scripture says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. But you won't talk to nobody. That's why your results ain't wonderful. Because you keeping it all in. Because you can't trust nobody. So you say. And listen, I'm an only child. You know, I don't like to talk to nobody. If God didn't tell me to, I wouldn't be talking to y'all right now. But I believe God's word. Community matters. Having the right people in your life matters because God uses community to provide healing. That's why you need to get in a life group. Because community matters. You're not meant to walk this journey alone. You were made for community. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that you were made in his image. And he is a community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Community. So why you don't talk to nobody? Why you not doing life with nobody? No, 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 nobody. Why? That's not biblical. You need community. We provide it here. But if you ignore it, player, that's on you. Don't be talking about what the church did. You need to focus on what you didn't do while you was at the church. You need some community. I'll keep going with the Bible. Hebrews 10 and 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not, let us not, let us not, let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do. Another version says it's people have made a habit of. People, listen. People have left a church and decided to leave the church in 2020 and beyond. I am blown away. I mean, you got whole paperwork on your wall talking about you pastor, elder, deacon, prophet, such and such, and you at the crib? Where they do that at? How you just become a bedside Baptist member? I'm not scared of y'all. Shout out to everybody watching us online. Appreciate you. But you need a local community. You know, I, 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 I was thinking, I was observing, we all saw, or at least all heard about uh, the young man, DeMar Hamlin. I was watching the game when it happened, and he took that hit and, and just 
everything that happened on, on the field and you see the players and, and, and like none of us knew what was going on in real time. Then we got all the information later, but and, and now the miraculous, you know, he, he FaceTimed his, his teammates yesterday and was able to speak to them for the first time. Uh, the feeding tube is out, he's off of oxygen. And I was looking at the miracle of his life and I started thinking about why do so many people, when they get hurt, run away from their help because they're hurt? When you're hurt, it's when you should pursue help the most. Think about if DeMar said, nope, don't take me to ICU. I can figure this out. My heart just a little, a little. Let me just, let me go eat a salad or something. Maybe, maybe that'll fix my heart. No, bro needed an oxygen machine to keep him alive. A lot of us, when we get hurt, we decide, we opt out of ICU, intensive care unit. The church should be your ICU when the pain comes, when the disaster strikes, when the hurt takes place. Don't run from your help, run to your help. Maybe you need to leave that church, but don't leave the church. Even if you have to sit there on an oxygen machine, the best thing for your long-term help is to stay close to your help. Even if I got to stop serving, even if I got to just sit and let the machine breathe for me while I get stronger. If I just let the machine breathe for me while I get myself together, I got to stay close to my help. Don't you run from the church, because the church is the kingdom's ICU that can help you get strong, that can help you get back on track, that can help you recover from the pain that people cause. Damar ended there because he had a collision with a person. But because he had a collision with that person, doesn't take away from this other person's ability to help him heal. One person hit him, another person gave him CPR. They're both people. So people shouldn't take you away from your purpose. Stay close to people that are about God's business. Because even if another person hurts you, the right person coming into your life can help heal you. Don't forsake all people because of a person. So after you find a person to help stretch your thoughts, you need to find a purpose to root your thoughts in. Find a purpose to root your thoughts in. The healthiest thoughts that you can have are thoughts about why you are on this planet. The healthiest, the healthiest by far, thoughts that you can have are the thoughts around why you are here, your purpose. That word means so much to me. 
because I know my purpose is to help other people achieve theirs. I know that about me. You can't talk me out of it. And it fuels me when I'm tired. I'm still helping people get to their purpose. When I'm hurting, I'm still helping people. When I'm frustrated, I, I can't turn it off. Because your purpose is what fuels you. It's what roots you. It's unconditional. It's not circumstantial. When you figure out who the heck you are, you are unstoppable. But you need to start thinking, having thoughts about who you are, why you're here. Romans, don't copy the behaviors. We've been here. I got to say it again. The customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Your thought life leads to your understanding of your purpose. A lot of you are so confused about what you're supposed to do. Well, I just feel like I'm in a season of, what if I told you God don't move in seasons? Can you find a season of anything in your Bible? I mean, some of y'all got seasons for everything. I'm in a season of rest. I'm in a season of promotion. I'm in a season of singleness. I'm in a season. You just bipolar. God ain't that confused. Why are you so confused? You can find the answer in your thought life. You don't know why you're here? Well, what were you thinking? You don't know God's plan for your life? What have you been thinking? I don't know what the Lord wants to do with me in this season, the same thing in the last season. And the season before that. And the season before that. You came here with a purpose that was not seasonal. You came here with a purpose that was not circumstantial. You came here with a purpose that don't have no conditions on it. You're here to do something. And if you ain't doing it, there's a problem with what you're thinking. Hmm. Now, maybe you don't know. Because we all don't just show up knowing why we're here. A lot of times it's a journey. You have to go through some things. You have to spend some time in prayer. You have to open up the word of God. Maybe talk to some wise counsel. But you need to know, you need to be in pursuit of understanding why you're here. And you need to stop thinking that you're not here for any reason. Because you are. A real easy way to help you, we have a class called Discovery Class. And it's not just to tell you about us, but it's to help you understand you. We got a whole process to help you unpack you so that you can know why he sent you here and what he wants you to do because you're not here randomly, accidentally. Take a free, it don't even cost nothing. So you don't have to show up in 2024 like I'm just waiting on the Lord, just, just trying to understand who I, take the class. So you can stop making excuses 
So you can stop. I think some of you all are comfortable with that statement. I, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm, you know, I'm, I've been praying about it. You know, be praying. Be praying for me. No, be attending a class. Do the work. Pray for yourself. Open up your ears so he can communicate to you and show you who you are. We'll pray for you. But you need to do what you need to do. Last one. Find a power to fuel my thoughts. This is it. It's the last thing. I'm going to leave you all alone because you all are tired. And I can see that you all are now thinking about chicken. So what does this mean? It means you need to open your life to the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is talking. But you have to open your life to the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not a bully. He doesn't bogart his way into your life. He doesn't bogart his way into your thoughts. You have to open yourself. You have to open yourself. You have to open yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit because he's ready to lead you, help you, guide you, encourage you. He's ready. He is waiting on you. Isaiah 55 and 9 says like this, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You can't know his ways. You can't know his thoughts if you don't open yourself up to the power of his spirit because that's his spirit who is there to help you to understand just how big and powerful and awesome he is and just how available he is for you. How can you understand him if you don't open yourself up to him? This is my last scripture, Ephesians 3 and 20. It's a very popular scripture, but we got to read it a little slower than what we've been reading it. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask, or there's that word again, think. This is the last part you should underline if you got a real Bible. According to the power that works in us. What is that power? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think is if we make room for his power to work in us. Stop trying to move without him. Stop trying to move apart from him. You can play, Brandon. You stop trying to think without his thoughts. Stop trying to make ways without understanding his ways. Because when you take the time to open yourself to the Holy Spirit and understand how he moves and how he operates, you are less likely to fall for a demonic okey-doke because you got the Holy Spirit helping you. 
Sometimes we forget that we have the power to control our thoughts. One of um, one of the people I look up to is a pastor by the name of Craig Groeschel. He actually pastors the largest church in our country called the Life Church. And uh, one day I was listening to uh, something where he was talking about leadership and he talked about every single day he makes declarations over his life because by him declaring things over his life from the word of God, it changes the way that he enters that day. He enters the day thinking like God thinks. He enters the day with a worldview downloaded from the word of God to help him to proceed into the day. He decided to not enter his days randomly. And so I took, I took his advice and uh, I looked at his declarations and I adapted it for myself. And it's in my phone, it's in my notes app and I have to say it every day. Why? Because I'm trying to be more like Jesus. And it's so easy for my mind to be bogged down with the wrong thing because I got so much going on. But I had to decide to enter into the day differently. You have to decide to enter into the day differently. Can I share it with you? It says, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and will lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I love people and believe the best about others. I have to tell myself that. Or else I won't. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, my leadership is sharper. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and called to reach people far from God. I can say this because I know this, because he told me this, because I spent time with him. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I help people fulfill their purpose. That's not something I do, it's who I am. He told me that. My words, thoughts, and imaginations are under the power of Christ. I take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. That's right out of the scriptures. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I do my best that makes the difference. The world will be different and better because I served Jesus today. What you say about you, what you think about you matters. It makes you less likely of a candidate for the devil to lie to you. When you decide to agree with what God says about you, when you decide to align your thoughts with the way that God thinks about you, 
It makes you less likely to be swayed by what people think about you. Can we stand? Your assignment to add to last week's assignment is to take control of your thoughts. What's going to happen 365 days from now? We're going to ask you, what were you thinking? Did your finances turn around? I don't know. What were you thinking? Did your marriage get stronger? I don't know. What were you thinking? Did you find that new level of closeness with God? I don't know. It's going to depend on what you were thinking. So listen, as you go into this week, understand, let it, let, it, let it resonate in your heart that God has given you the power. He's also given you a lot of instruction on the fact that you need to take control of your thoughts. You don't have to be a prisoner to your thoughts, and your thoughts do not control you. You can take it captive, and you can teach it to obey Christ. And when you do, your life turns around. You don't start with behavior, you start with your thoughts. Let's pray our way out. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you came and spoke directly to our hearts today. We ask that you help us as we endeavor to take control of our thoughts because we want our thoughts to lead us to a life that is pleasing to you. Father, we want this because you want it for us, but we know that we cannot do this apart from your help. So Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come in and partner with us on this journey because we want you to get the glory out of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Give somebody a fist bump or something. Let them know that you're glad that they came today. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.